Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Morning, everyone. Evolutionary.org hardcore podcast coming your way. This is episode 137. Jeff Seed. Steve Smee here in the mobster from across the pond. How's it going, man? You're cold out there, huh? Uh, it's just cold in here, man. Outside is fine, and it's getting, hopefully, we're getting towards the spring and the, and the warmer weather. It's brightening up. So it's nice and bright, but it's always cold in Mobster's house. Yes, sir. You're going to do some ice fishing over there. In the- <laughs> Indoor ice fishing, yeah. Indoor ice fishing. All right, guys, so Jeff C., very interesting character, very narcissistic guy, but you know what? That seems to be his shtick that got him popular. We're talking about on the pre-show. He's up to 4 million followers on Instagram. When you have that many followers on Instagram, you can monetize the crap out of that. So he is an example of a guy. He built up a lot of haters. He built up a big following, a lot of fanboys over the years. You know, he was just a normal high school kid at one point, hard to believe, but he was, that played football, that wrestled, and some really interesting set of circumstances happened, which got him on a different route. So he became an IFBB pro before he was even old enough to drink alcohol, so before he was 21. So, you know, let's talk about his early life a little bit. I'll bring in Mobster for his thoughts. So when he turned 12, his parents got him a weightlifting book and a weight set because they wanted him to gain confidence and get in a better shape, which is a fantastic idea for young people. I used to coach high school wrestling, uh, weight training, and I always used to tell parents, I'm like, why are you sending your kids to play football so they can break their bones and tear ACLs when you can put them in the weight room and they can build confidence that way? It's so much um, um, safer for them, and it's so much better to build self-confidence. So really, I'm one of the advocates that think every high school person, male, female, big, small, fat, skinny, should be weight training. I think weight training is fantastic. So parents did a fantastic thing for him. And, you know, he went to a competitive high school, one of those high schools where academics takes a backseat to athletics. So it was important to him to excel at other sports and the weight training actually helped him. So he was actually on pace to get a wrestling scholarship and possibly even college football. But when he blew out his knee, his first football game of his senior season, his last season in high school. So because of that injury, he had a surgery to repair that ligament, which is an ACL injury, same injury that Tom Brady had early in his career. And he was not allowed to run on it. That takes about six to nine months to recover. And that's even for professional athletes. So you can imagine how depressed he was, which he, you know, was very upset about it, but he did not give up. He ended up getting to physical therapy rehab and then started learning that, Hey, bodybuilding, weight training can strengthen those muscles around my knee. And that's what you got to do when you come back from that. So he, um, again, three months later, tore a knee after three months. So back-to-back tragedies. Now I got to give this guy credit, mobster. A normal person that has this happen to them, they're probably going to end up becoming like a, a drug addict or an alcoholic. Like literally, why is this happening to me? Blah, blah, blah. But he ended up turning this negative into a positive. So I give him all the credit in the world for that because 99% of people would go into a shell and just be depressed and, and feel sorry for themselves. But he, this, he came back. Even after these two tragedies, he came back. He's lucky he's not got a limp at the very least, never mind anything else. As you say, I mean, I, I can think of one person uh, from, from my, my childhood years and they had a couple of operations. They were born with, with particular issues, had a couple of operations and literally, in my opinion, because they never kept up the rehab, their, their parents never forced them to do the rehab and, and, the, and the stuff that they should have done to recover. 
they ended up with essentially a limp for life, a, a, an issue for life. And I think, I think even in, in the family side of things where you, if you don't follow up with these things, if your mindset's wrong, if you think, you know, to, to, to put it bluntly, I'm screwed, then, then you're in a situation where you're going to be walking around with crutches or a stick or, or of a limp for the rest of your life. Whereas if you'd actually got your head together with a positive mindset, and you and I talked about this on the forums when we get guys that come on with injuries and whatever else, we're like, you can't jab your way out of it with steroids. First things first, how many times, Steve, have you said to people with injuries, rest, rest? And I'm the second guy saying, do the rehab. Do three months of rehab. Do 16 weeks of rehab. Get this shit done and recover. Now, this is the thing with Jeff. And I mean, there's lots of positives and negatives, as you say. I'm going to hate and I'm going to love at the same time when we get into the rest of the podcast. But how is a positive example here of a guy with a right mindset who didn't let what could have been a real bad uh, injury uh, in terms of, okay, knocked his athletic clear, but he turned that around and did something else. And, and turn into, in his way, a positive role model for people and able to use that to positive mental, even maybe the stuff that he'd done on a, on a field of sport and in the wrestling, uh, was able to say, listen, if I can do this stuff in wrestling, if I can be this kind of athlete, I'm not going to let this hold me back. I, I'm going to come out, I'm going to kick ass. And if I can't go in the direction I wanted to go, I'm going to go a different direction and I'm still going to be positive and I'm going to go, I'm going to make something of it. And he is proof positive with the with with the Instagram is proof positive with YouTube and it's proof positive as we're going to get into just the earnings that this guy has declared. So we can actually say the amount of money that he's had 100% declared for taxable purposes. How much he's earned from doing what he does now? When, as you say, could he, he could have been a, 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 a good looking athletic Joe who was screwed and ended up working, I don't know, in Walmart or, or stacking shelves or something like that, athletic career over. And in fact, me and you've touched on this in podcasts before, when we've talked about uh, American football athletes, soccer athletes, and high, other high performers, their careers are over with the kind of injury that this fellow had. So his biggest mistake was, I don't believe you mentioned it in the article, was just lack of patience. So listen up, guys. We talked about this on the forums. I've mentioned it already. Get an injury. Stop doing the stupid fucking thing that hurts. Do something else. Do the rehab. Do the rest. Get recovered. Talk, get into the healing peptides and then came out and do the next thing. Right, on, on to more on Jeff. So I'm also, I should also mention that um, he actually did quite well, well in wrestling and there are some photographs out there uh, doing the background research for today's show. There are some pictures out of there of Jeff. Had a pretty pretty good physique, Steve, uh, when he was 12, 13, 14, 15 years of age. And he's only taken it up another level in terms of how he looks. So I think he's always been one of those guys, if he wasn't as good looking as he is, if he didn't have that perfect hair, and I actually, I've actually on my, my pre-show notes, that hair, as you say, the narcissistic thing was, has to be perfect, even in the training videos. What the hell? Um, if he if, if, if he would still be an athletic guy, he would still have a good physique. But I think that the looks, the hair, is as at that little narcissistic edge, that little sort of Instagram or for the gram look, which Jeff seems to um, personify, uh, he would still have a pretty good physique and he would still have something of an athletic background that he might be able to use as something else. But it's take it to a whole new level, as we're going to get into. Um, I, I want to talk about, if it's okay with you, Steve, the difference between uh, what looks good on the gram and what looks good on stage, which we discussed in the pre-show. So here's the thing, people. We've done a bunch of Instagram personalities in a pre, a pre, other shows, and you're going to hear more of those when those shows come out. We've got other sports people that we're going to talk about as well. Jeff is the personification of someone who looks amazing with filters, with the right light, with that hair, with the teeth, with the, 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 the whole bleach thing and everything else and the perfect skin on Instagram, on even to a lesser degree on YouTube. But he competed. Now, the two competitions that I looked at in the pre-show research, the first show, he turns up, he's trained, he's looking amazing, he's putting up his great photographs, and then he completely got lost in the middle of the pack. I believe the, the class that he entered, 
15, I believe, something like that. And he was right in the middle at eighth place. He was just lost. And I looked at one particular uh, a lineup picture and you can see the hair, you can see the teeth, you can see the face, but his, his physique just looks average. The, every single guy ahead of him had a definition, separation, the detail that we know you need when you're on stage. And Jeff was a great Instagram person, but on stage he got completely lost. So his next competition, and we're going to get into this at the end of the podcast as to whether he used PEDs or not, the next competition, he'd taken it up a level. He realised that what works on the ground does not work on the stage. It barely works in real life. Because if you look amazing under certain lighting conditions with certain filters and with your hair a certain way, and then you don't look like that in real life, then, then the girls that you're after, the, the people, the followers, whatever, they're wondering who the hell is this guy who looks like Jeff? It was this as a thing. So the next competition, he looks like he actually dieted. He looks like he took some PEDs. He looked like the athletes that placed ahead of him. And bang, straight out of the gate with all the genetics, the, the look, et cetera, that he has going for him. Second competition, bang, first place. And as Steve said, what's amazing with that, I mean, we have a different uh, laws in this country with regards to drinking, but here's a guy that can't do a bunch of things and he's already a professional, uh, you know, pro, pro athlete. He's already got his pro card. So that was fantastic. Something else that I said with regards to the whole Instagram thing, and Steve and I have just touched on this in the previous podcast again. Monetization. Here's a guy that seems again to personify that. He's declared in 2017, you can look at this research for yourself, people, just to double check the numbers. He declared an income four years ago of $800,000 for that year. So Steve and I said, we're talking about one, 1, 1.1, 1.2 million dollars this year if he's just gone up 5, 10, 15% year on year. And with the, the, the fact of the matter was, if you looked at his Instagram numbers then, you looked at his YouTube numbers then, and you look at them now, is how, he, how if he's not doing a million dollars a year, he, he must be gambling it or smoking crack or something. He's got to be increase the amount of money that he's doing. And, it, and, and that's the monetization that we're talking about there, whether it's selling T-shirts, whether it's selling supplements, whether it's selling diets or whatever else. The sheer volume of numbers, from some of the shows that we've done recently, we're talking about 1.2, 2 million followers. Jeff's 4 million followers. And as I said before in previous shows, you just got to work the numbers. You need one-tenth of 1% 1 and you're getting $800,000 a year in earnings four years ago. A million dollars plus now, for sure, 100%. The thing of it is for me, Stephen, I think I said all this already, it, it, it kind of, you can't knock the guy's genetics and you can't knock the way that he looks but it's so difficult not to see the narcissistic thing. It's not to see that personification that I keep saying. It's so difficult to get that away. And I don't know whether that's an innate jealousy on our part because he's such a good-looking guy and he's got this amazing physique or because he seems like maybe like, like when we talk about social media, everybody says the Kardashians, and it's because you know that they're dressing a certain way and putting their hair a certain way and they're putting on a certain level of makeup and that every single thing that they do on YouTube and on on Instagram, nearly or something being sold to you, whether it's a perfume or an idea or something that you want to buy into. And Jeff is that. It's not just a guy that's become popular on Instagram. It's a guy that's kind of made almost like a sort of a, a, a dull kind of person. It's um, uh, the, 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 the Barbie's boyfriend kind of vibe in terms of how he personifies that Instagram life. He whether it's, I'll give you an example, and you and I touched on this before, whether it's someone that's taken a photograph in a nice dress with nice hair, nice boobs and whatever else, that spends 45 minutes trying to find the right position for the light coming through the window, that moves a flower around that's on a shelf behind them, or something like that, and then goes, I'll oh, just live in the life. No, you just spent an hour getting everything perfect for this one photograph, and Jeff seems to come across in that way. What was also interesting in, in doing the background research is watching a training video of his, Whereas his, his, his buddies were all wearing similar kind of vests and shorts and whatever else. And I've got a couple of lads that come and train here that are into that kind of vibe. Um, and, and I think because you and I have been doing this a long, long time, we see things slightly differently from, from the younger generation. We see things slightly differently. When you and I trained when we were teenagers, we didn't do what we were doing for how we would be perceived on social media. We were doing it for ourselves. And I think perhaps Jeff started that way with his background at school. But now I suspect every single thing that he does isn't done necessarily as a, a love of the sport, but more for the gram, more for social media, more away from the love of the thing itself 
and more for what can this thing give me on social media and that's the kind of vibe that comes across them so yeah there's a little bit of that if you want i'll talk about the training as well steve yeah yeah uh do you want to do that now or do you want to talk a little bit more yeah, I'll, crack, I'll crack on now. I'm, I'm, I'm on the roll so okay so this is probably the, the video that i watched is probably the one thing where perhaps jeff could learn there's a million training videos there and i i'm for example i will watch some of the larry wills videos and you and larry's had people come on to explain exercises He's had people come on to show him how to do things that he's not used to. Uh, one of the girls in there actually was a, a Welsh uh, gym owner in this, over here in the UK, and she was showing the guys tics, tricks and techniques and tweaks to exercises, and she was smashing, she, she was putting these guys for a hard-ass workout. Now, Jeff, for all his genetics, for all his looks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, the, you get, you was kind of getting the edit highlight version. You say, oh, I'm just going to do a drop set. You could barely hear what we were saying. The music was over the top. He was giving zero explanation as to why he was doing certain particular things. And, and it came across in a particular way. And I think it was also one of these things, it, because he's so genetically blessed, he didn't feel like you, you, he was putting himself, he didn't, wasn't really making stuff happen. I was looking at some of the weights that he was using. It was like two plates, three plates on a machine. And I mean, like, on a selector stack. So it was like 15 or 20 pounds on certain exercises. And it was also one of those things where I, I, you look at him and you think his joints are so small that the small amount of muscle that he holds gives him the look that he has. And so he doesn't need to be doing crazy weights in the gym. So again, that genetic advantage and the structure that he has enables him to do small weights, perfectly normal amount of volume and look amazing. Uh, having, having, the athletic background keeps the skin, etc., the way that it is. And it's only, only because, as I say, if he, if he was to compete in another class of, of uh, bodybuilding, if he wasn't doing men's physique and he had to do something else, he would disappear. He, he would have to be a completely different athlete, completely different structure. And you have to, the, the weights would have to be threefold, fourfold what he's doing right now. So it was, it was interesting to see that when you compare him to other videos of people. We've got in the podcast that's coming after this, that guy trains crazy strong the podcast we've done on chris call me over 450 jeff is not in that classification at all and in fact because of his genetic advantages and because of his structure he doesn't have to train as hard or even diet as hard to get into the kind of condition that the rest of us are, you know we give our back teeth for so it's, it's it's interesting to see that when we most most trainees like to think that they work hard train hard etc etc most of the people that we've done podcasts on there's some grind in there somewhere even with genetic advantages, Jeff, I think, is so genetically blessed, so structurally lucky that the, the, he was doing relatively light weights, in my opinion, and and still looks in the class that he does uh, really, really, really good. Yeah, back to you, Steve. One of the things I want to get into, too, is him monetizing his huge following. So as we said earlier, Jeff said he has 4 million followers. He's got yeah. over a million on YouTube. He's got six figures on Twitter. So when you have that much of a following, first off, you have to hire someone to do all the technical stuff, to take pictures, to post the pictures. You're not doing that on your own. You're, you're, you got someone helping you. You don't got time for that, right? You, you're, you're busy working out, living your life. So when you reach a certain plateau, when you are a level like that, there's actually people out there that you hire and i know someone who basically kind of invented themselves through social media with a persona and they hired a marketer these people that they hire they pay them 45 55,000 a year to mm -hmm. market them and then they're able to get you know monetize their social media from that so one of the things that he does is he has training programs and he has a clothing line. His training programs are $150. Now those training programs, guys, there's no such thing as a training program that you can take. That's going to make you look like him. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't exist. So there's, it's this, it doesn't make any sense to pay someone $150 to give you a copy paste program like this. And for you to think that it's going to turn you into looking like him because it's not going to happen. So the only reason you'd ever do something like that is because you knew the motivation, you need a structure. So you hire, you pay someone that kind of money 
they give you a program and you're able to follow that program. It's at least something where that can be structured, that can, you know, you can be coached, you can be pushed to do it. So that's something that I understand, like if you want to pay that kind of money. But if you think, yeah, I'm just going to sign up for this and he's going to send me this program that fits me and that's going to be perfect for me and I'm going to end up looking like him and having an eight pack, it's not going to happen. So let's get that out of the way. Number two, his clothing line. You know, um, every YouTube guy, every Instagram guy has a clothing line. This guy not only has a clothing line mobster, he has sunglasses, he's got bandanas, <laughs> he has books, he's got hoodies, he's got bras, he's got leggings, he's got sweatpants, he's got stringers, he's got tank tops, he's got everything. Um, it's really incredible how much of his apparel brand ha- has grown, and his prices are pretty cheap. So at the end of the day, you know, if you want to, you know, if you're a fanboy and you want to go and buy the kind of clothing that he's selling, which is probably made in China, and yeah. he, he basically just orders it from China, they ship it in bulk, it gets to a warehouse, and then they get shipped out when you order. Nothing really special about any of his apparel, guys. But because it says Jeff's site on it, people want to pay money. So that's marketing, guys. And a lot of you may not understand that. And that's fine. A lot of people don't understand how marketing works, you know, and that's how marketing works, guys. So at the end of the day, he's doing well for himself and, and good for him. And I think he's a good guy. I mean, looking through his Instagram page, he seems like a good guy. He has dogs. He, you know, he, he's not so much of a asshole like some of these other Instagram people. So mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think it's a persona. I don't really think he's narcissistic. You can't be an animal lover, dog lover, cat lover, and be narcissistic. Not too much, no. At the same time, it doesn't make any sense because those types of people don't like animals. They don't like, you know, they don't like animals. They don't like cats. They don't like dogs. So, yeah, jump in, mobster. Yep. I'm just thinking, it gives you an example. We're talking about the social media and monetization stuff here. So one of the things we referred to previously was uh, as an example, I believe a couple of uh, well-known bodybuilders strength athletes, et cetera, on YouTube, uh, the money that's made by the uh, adverts, the Google ads on YouTube, that money goes to the videographer. That goes to the guy with the camera who's doing the editing and making the video look good. They'll follow you around with the camera, which you paid for as an athlete, let's say it's a couple of thousand dollars, some sort of Canon or Nikon or whatever else, and they're filming you, doing high-res videos, you know, 4K videos, etc., and they're following you around, and they're doing his hour of video, and then they're doing they're spending five, six hours editing the video, whatever else. Every single buck that the YouTube account itself makes goes to the videographer. It's an incentive by the athlete for the videographer to make me look good. I want you to film me, and you go out there, and you make me look absolutely amazing, but you never appear on camera. If, if you're lucky, you'll see this guy maybe in a mirror of a shot or something like that. That's it. And it's very rare, and I can only think of one example, and in fact, I'm talking to Juju, who's just fallen out with the guy that was uh, Tom, that was a partner on his channel, and they've just, literally, there's a, there's a legal thing coming, uh, the papers that you can view online, et cetera, et cetera. So there's these two guys that are working together for years, and it hasn't worked. But yeah, this is that was one way to do it. The other thing I was thinking of, and this is actually from back in the day, there's a bunch of companies, one that I'm thinking of specifically, where they were pretty much put a picture, which you send them, on T-shirts, baby grows, hoodies, everything you just said, key rings, ceramic mugs, the whole thing. And you, you used to just tag this in with a link at the bottom of your page, the bottom of whatever you were putting on the gram or whatever else. You want to buy a T-shirt. Now, it was nothing produced for you by a specific company, specially chosen, good material, et cetera, et cetera. It would be, as, as Steve said, it's almost certainly some sort of Chinese T-shirt and it are printed in, you know, lots of 10, and it's no more than really you could do yourself with the stuff that you can buy, print off yourself on a printer with your computer and then iron onto a T-shirt. And that's all they were doing. It was real cheap stuff. But this was all that was available back in that day. And even that, you know, with no effort on your part whatsoever, the link goes through to this company. They wait till they get the order. They do a batch of 10 and they send them out. And you get, you know, a PayPal payment for $100 when 10 T-shirts are sold or something like that. Very, very easy, very straightforward, but incredibly kind of, boring really and not only that when you kind of one of the things Steve me and I have touched on in previous podcasts when we talk about these kind of things that works for the low level stuff and it works at the beginning but once you've established some kind of reputation once you talk about 
having a lifetime in this sport, then your reputation, and that includes the quality of material. If I sell you a, a $3 mug, Steve, for $10, and you use it a couple of times and the print washes off the first time you stick it in the dishwasher, you're going to think of me as a cheap guy. I sold you a cheap mug with a crappy print on it, which you was quite happy with, but now it's all washed off. And I'm, the print's kind of shitty. Uh, I can't show my buddies this mug with Steve the mobster's face on or Steve Smith's face on it. It's kind of shitty, whatever. Whereas if I go to a company and I go, I look at a bunch of mugs and I pick out one that's amazing and I say, right, listen, I want this stuff that's going to last 50, 60, 100 washes. I want it to look really, really good. That kind of reputation stays with you. So you want to produce good stuff. And it's thesis. When we start to talk about the social media things and you get guys that going, you know, every single one does a diet plan. How many of those diet plans are written for you and how many are just in a book or a leaflet or available as a download or some kind of PDF or whatever? It's all, it can become kind of generic. There are some very big names in the industry and I think that a very almost Mr. Olympia bodybuilder that has a bunch of eBooks. And even if they tell you a little bit about that person, the information to train, the information to diet is kind of out there. What we end up doing when we're consulting or coaching or whatever else, which is one-to-one, -one, is we cater this information for the person in front of us and we push them in a particular direction and we try to get the best out of them. You're not getting that if you're buying a download. You're not getting that if you're getting a generic thing. You're not getting that. If, you're not getting, if I'm wearing some fantastic hoodie or Steve Smith's wearing some kind of fantastic T-shirt and we're on the gram, and we're showing you how crazy we went in the gym on the bench press. And you go, Les, those shirts that those guys are wearing is mega cool. I'd love to have one of them shirts. If I'm selling you a five-buck T-shirt that falls a bit after three washes, what am I doing? I'm, I'm kind of, I'm taking something away from what really I want to last for a lifetime. I want my personality to be out there, what, what my reputation, I want to inspire people. I don't just want to sell them a $5 T-shirt. So there's, there's an element of that sometimes. And I think, a lot of guys, and I'm not saying this about Jeff, but there's a lot of stuff like that on, on Instagram, in social media, where it feels a little bit temporary, it feels a little bit cheap sometimes, it feels a little bit generic, and that's kind of a shame, because these guys need to start thinking in terms of 10, 15, 20 years, what you're going to do when you finish, are people going to go back and look at what you've done and say, oh, that was kind of shitty, and look how much better this person is. They, they, they didn't have a great physique, but my God, the stuff that he produced was amazing. The kit that they sold you is still around now and it still works. The advice that this fellow gave me was spot on and I got into the best shape of my life. And when my buddy did it, it was completely different. It was written for my buddy and so on and so forth. And I can recommend it to everybody because this person is a great coach, a great, great dietitian, a, a great trainer, whatever else. They need to think beyond just making a quick and easy buck. And again, so we've, we talked about the money that this guy's already made and, and, and likely to make in the future. Hopefully, he will start thinking long-term and have a plan, whether it's still in the sport or outside the sport, that takes his reputation, his, 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 his time in the sport, and, and develops it beyond what he's doing right now. Some of the people that we've done in pre previous shows or some of those that we've got in shows to come, that's the way that they think, whether it's gym stuff, supplement lines, and not just generic stuff, but properly formulated things, specific stuff that they've had made just for them. I'll go back to Larry Wills. Larry Wills makes a very nice weightlifting note with, with his um, PR line. So it's that kind of thing. You know, you want stuff out. There's something that's a bit different from everybody else, not just the generic stuff. And think long term about your reputation. I've got stuff in my collection upstairs, Steve, from Eugene Sandow, the Victorian strongman that's over 100 years old highly collectible, worth money, and this stuff still works as is. It's 100 years old and still works. These guys have been used to stuff that's going to fall, fall apart in, in five minutes. So, yeah. Let's, let's get into the uh, controversies here. One, yeah. Something was interesting. I think you, you mentioned it in your article, Steve. He doesn't, doesn't, doesn't talk to the haters, doesn't engage with the haters, doesn't do anything uh, that is negative to him whatsoever which is kind of cool what do you think yeah so the controversy i remember this very well and this was around the time mobster where you know people were learn were kind of learning hey i can make a big name for myself right causing these controversies attacking people that i'm jealous of so yes, some of yes, these yes. guys on on youtube of course they want to build a big following and they did 
by doing this, now those same people, like they're either gone or they're, nobody follows them anymore because that's stupid <laughs> old. So at the time, everyone's jealous of this guy. So they start calling him out for being a fake natty. What is it, why is it your business to worry about what other, another man does? Like who cares? So yes, is Jeff said using steroids and then making people think, yeah, I got the way I did by you know hard work and my workout program that you're going to pay $150 for and my diet program that's going to cut you up and all this stuff it's 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 magic you know look i mean does anyone really believe that anymore i mean i don't think so but maybe at the time they did so back then you had guys coming out and attacking them for that you know, you're claiming you don't use steroids, but you really do. So I'm going to make videos attacking you and that's going to give me a lot of hits. Okay. And, and four years later, it's like, who cares? Who cares now? It's laughable. <laughs> like if someone accuses me of using steroids, what do I care? What do, do they care if they accuse you of being a steroid monster? Who cares? Nobody cares yeah. anymore. I think we've yeah. evolved yeah. in the fitness industry now. So it kind of looks silly back then, but it worked actually in Jeff's favor because he was able to get a bunch of haters, a bunch of trolls. And then over time, those haters and trolls end up transitioning into fanboys. The more people look at your Instagram and you Twitter and YouTube videos, the more it's going to show up on the feeds, the more gener- you're going to get. So, you know, he ended up using it to his advantage. And that's what people don't understand. The way these algorithms work is even if people are hating on you, as long as they're going and looking at your stuff, it's going to end up being to your benefit. So he was able to use that to his benefit over time. So we're going to get into what Jeff used, but yeah, talk a little bit about that. I know you wanted to jump in. I just, I just thinking, so one of the people that was mentioned in the article, we'll, we'll link this to you guys in, in the notes that come with our shows was vegan gains. <laughs> I don't know. You you must be fully aware, Steve, of the whole OnlyFans thing that's that's got traction in the last couple of years. So Vegan Games did exactly what you're not just to Jeff, but a bunch of people who would sit there with this terrible monotone voice. It was awful voice of his. And it's it kind of like paint drone voice. It's really annoying. And he does this whole thing that you said and talking about, I think this person doesn't use drugs and I think this person's kind of lying and all this kind of stuff, right? And then ends up at the kind of worst example of every single person he's had a go at. It's terrible. He, I think RX Muscle did a video with Lee Priest talking about this thing that vegan games have done. And a couple of other guys, again, as you say, other people doing videos about other people. It's kind of ironic. And here we are talking about it. So one of the things that you can do on only OnlyFans and I'll be crude here, as you can see, Vegan Games' wife's asshole. You can see, <laughs> to use a colloquialism, help brand star on this thing. So, okay, Vegan, you've made a name for yourself calling people out, and now you make money showing people your cock, your penis, and your wife's asshole in vagina on camera for $10 a month. I mean, come on. He's the worst example. What about Jason you mentioned in your article as well? How many times was Jason sitting on his videos loading bullets and, and, and putting things into magazines, right? And he got called out left, right, and center for his fantasy military career. They, they made their name on the basis of calling people's reputation out and saying how they were lying. One was crazy and another one shows you his penis for $20 a month, $10 a month. I mean, come on. The irony, you and I are sitting here, right? We're not trying to get a million followers for calling people out. We're just telling you, what the fuck is these people? They're mental, man. It's like they've got some psychological condition. It's like they made a career out of trolling and then they turn into the worst possible example of the very people they were criticizing. The irony, the irony. It's the circle, it's a circle of life. It really is. They saw the money and they ran towards the buck. Yeah. Oh, come on. But yeah, at the the end of the day, look, at the bottom line is, yes, Jeff 
why wouldn't he use steroids? I mean, that's fine. Why the hell not? Why, why not? He's not going to say he uses steroid. He wants you to buy his program. That's fine. Yeah. Let the guy, yeah. you know, it's fine. Who who really believes that they can just buy his program and turn into him? I mean, we don't. Nobody believes that. So at the end no. of the day, look, you could use all the steroids these guys use. You could do the diet exact diet they use. You can do the exact workout they use. All the stuff exactly. And you're not going to end up looking like them because you're missing that one thing, which is genetics. And that's what Jeff has. So certain people oh, react really well to steroids and SARMs and all these things. So Jeff is definitely one of these guys. And there's no doubt, you know, that he is a genetic freak, you know? So 100%. yeah, absolutely. And I think his parents realized that because they got him into weight training at a young age. I'm sure his dad probably is also a genetic freak or his mom is a genetic freak or both. So they knew that. So then in the day, we can go over kind of, we could speculate what someone like Jeff would have used, especially going yeah. ahead of this competition. So one of the things, you know, testosterone and then they, um, 500 milligrams a week is a, is a base dose for most cycles. And then of course, he's going to drop it ahead of a contest. Now, why do you do that? The answer is very simple. Testosterone aromatizes the estrogen causes a lot of rotter retention and blow. So why would you want to be bloated ahead of a physique competition? Makes absolutely no sense. So yes, you do stop using testosterone. Like, oh, guys, I got argue with me on forums about this. They're like, oh, you should always use tests in a cycle. You should always use tests if you're running steroids. No, 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 no. In certain situations, you do not want to run tests. And that is one of the situations ahead of a competition. If you're using a long ester like anything, you must stop it a good three, four, five weeks minimum ahead of your contest. Otherwise, you're going to go into your contest looking like a bloated fish and you will be finished. You will be, that'll be the difference between getting first place and getting eighth place in your competition if you have that bloat on your body. So no, 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 no. No testosterone ahead of a competition. Another thing, Trembolone. Trembolone is a really, really good steroid for building a lot of muscle and cutting down on certain people. Now, some people on Trembolone, they react differently. Some people on Trembolone, they have a lot of psychological problems. Some people on Trembolone, they get a lot of size. Some people on Trembolone get a lot of strength. And some people are able to cut and build muscle at the same time on Trembolone. So it just depends on a particular person. Um, in his situation, I have no doubt with his genetics, he's actually one of those freaks who takes Trembolone and is able to cut and build muscle at the same time. So that is a genetic blessing to be in that situation. So Trembolone, definitely in these physique contests, I have no doubt these guys are running Trembolone. Not as much as the guys run in the big competitions, the overall competitions, the, the Mr. Olympia overall competitions, big bodybuilding competitions. No, they're not running as trend as them. They're running a little bit of trend. 300, maybe 350 milligram a week of trend. That is it. You don't want to run more. You don't want to run more trend. It can actually become counterproductive at high dosages when you are looking for physique. Another one, a mobster, big one. Here's a big one. When Masteron came on the scene and guys started using Masteron, it changed bodybuilding. It changed especially physique, having your abs pop out. Masteron, great hardener, incredible hardener. Best hardener out there, 600 milligrams a week, even 800 milligrams a week. It is a fantastic hardener, guys. It's something you want to use ahead of your competition. You drop the testosterone and you get on the Masteron and you will harden up ahead of your competition. Next one, and I'm gonna let Mobster uh, do the other four we think maybe someone like Jeff would use. Equipoise, 600 milligrams a week, Equipoise. Equipoise is great for if you like a um, low rep, high, I'm sorry, high rep, uh, fast workouts, a lot of pumps, a lot of... Um, when you get that pump going in the gym, a lot of endurance, EQ is really good for that. Um, I said pump, but EQ isn't a great pump. But what EQ does is it helps you get that pump. It helps you reach that pump. It helps you squeeze out that extra rep when you're working out because it's really, really good at raising your red blood cell counts without causing bloat, without causing side effects, without causing androgenic side effects that can actually slow your workout down. So it would be a really good complement in with the masteron and with the trend ahead of a competition. And then uh, you would just like the testosterone, you'd probably drop it down, probably go with 600 milligrams a week and then drop it down maybe two, 300 milligrams a week or drop it off entirely going ahead of the competition. What are the other compounds you think he was using? Uh, you think someone like Jeff would use mobster? 
I mean, this the, the, the next one we're talking about here is Anavar, and 100%. There's, there's been other podcasts and videos out there talking about what they thought Jeff did, and even with his genetic advantage, to, to take his body to the next level so that he wasn't lost in the pack that we discussed earlier. He, he definitely needed to do something, and, and Anavar was the, the just drug that pretty much everybody agrees on. Instead of Jeff was going to do something, Jeff was going to do this. And again, with this drug cycle that we talked about so far, Anavar, again, at 100 milligrams, is still higher than I would run it personally. But we're talking about contest preppy. We're talking about taking a person's physique, as we said already, from the gram look to the stage look. And that's that you have to be talking about. And none of this is excessive. The 350 milligrams that Steve already touched on with the Tremblone is actually kind of sensible for what it is. I mean, 200, 300 milligrams a week, we've, we talk about that as a sensible dose because there's plenty of people out there that tell you to run a gram, run this amount, run that amount. And this is actually kind of a sensible uh, competition cycle. So yeah, 100 milligrams a day of Anivar, probably not for that many weeks, four to, four to eight weeks. I, I'm, a, I'm a preference for eight weeks. We know uh, uh, Dylan on, on the, the forums will talk about four weeks on orals. But again, we're talking about competition for genetics things and stuff like that. And any of these things can be dropped if it's not giving you the right response and you run up to a competition, but pretty much something will be in there the whole time. And I think for me, in terms of him maintaining muscle mass and keeping his strength, or because a lot of guys make the mistake of changing the way that they lift weights before a competition, that's a crazy idea. So for me, if I was doing 100 milligrams a day, this is going to help me keep my strength up on the exercises, even when I'm dieting down for competition to maintain that muscle mass, to lose as little of that as possible while stripping away the fat. The wind stroll. Described in the articles pre-contest only, much for the same reason. Now, uh, we know that wind stroll can have an effect on your joints in terms of how you think, but again, we've said this before, looking good on stage is not the same as being healthy on stage. So you might feel tired, you might feel like your joints are aching, but whether you, if you look good, it is, it's exact, that's what you're being judged on. No one's asking you on the microphone, do you feel okay? No, they're just saying, the guy, boy looks good, I'm gonna give him first place. Get it to the GW, of course. GW is kind of a staple. Lots and lots of enormously good feedback on the forum. And pretty this is the thing that's going to help you get for that morning cardio. It's going to help you with energy when, again, you're, you're dieting down. It's the one that's going to get you with your exercise, whether you're out walking, you're using the bike, you're using the Stairmaster, doing what needs to be done to get in the shape. This is the one that's going to give you the energy and help with that fat, fat metabolism. And the last one, which has been mentioned here, is, is, is Stenobolic, Steve, a, a pre-exercise only. I mean, honestly, one of the things that I tried recently and have actually changed it myself in my own particular cycle as I was using Halo as a pre-workout. I didn't feel like I was getting something from it. I've gone back to one of my staples. Stenobolic here is being used in exactly the same way. It's been giving you a, a short, quick boost to get you into the gym, to get the gym stuff done. Now, I have had conversations when we come to competition training whether it's weightlifting competition, bodybuilding, or whatever else, when you, especially when you're down there, I don't know, under 100 grams of day of carbs, sometimes 40, 50 grams of day of carbs, you're on a low-fat, high-protein diet, you're on a, a vastly reduced amount of calories and whatever else. And the guys, and I've been there when it comes to the weightlifting stuff, you're dragging your ass around the gym to get your workouts done. Because again, it doesn't feel good to be in this state. So the, the stenobolic is here literally to get you in the gym Get your workout done, give you the boost for the workout. And the moment you come out of the gym, you're back to feeling like an old man. But damn, the work said is the muscles being stimulated, the muscles being retained, you're stripping away the fat and you're getting stage ready. And again, we touched on this at the beginning of the podcast where we talked about how he looked in his first competition, which was Instagram ready, but not stage ready, and how he looked in his second competition when he took things up the whole new level. And the cycle that we're talking about here. Is, is what we think Jeff could have done, not necessarily Jeff himself, but someone like Jeff could have done to be in the shape he needed to be on stage. And every single thing that we've listed here is done for a particular reason. I've said, I'm not a fan of test emphenate. But again, so we talked about taking long-acting testers and medium-acting testers out of and, and putting short-acting stuff in simply because we can see the effect it has on a person's body. We've talked about in pre previous shows Sometimes, and I even mentioned this on the forum the other day, run this. If you've never competed before, train like you're going to compete. Run a cycle like you're going to compete just to see how you respond, and then you'll have a better idea. It's, it's a, I don't care what kind of guru you've got working for you guys. If you've got no idea how these things are going to have an effect on your body, then, it, then it's a crapshoot. 
The trend, of course, is a the classic drug, master on the hardener, equipoise, all of these other things are in there for a particular reason, and that's to keep muscle on, thin the skin, help you get into shape, and have you stage ready, Steve. Back to you. Yeah, it sums it up. And, um, you know, I tell that to people all the time on the forums. If you're going to do a competition, you want to have a mock competition. Yes. So let's say your competition is a year from now. Pretend you have a competition four months from now and then run the cycle you plan on using and see how you do. This way you'll know. And then also short esters. Photo shoot. So do a photo shoot. Yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Someone so, who's got a good camera, yeah. a buddy that knows how to take a photograph and say, do you know what? For eight weeks, I'm going to train and I'm going to have my buddy come in and he's going to put a backdrop up and he's going to take some professional shots of me. This is just for myself, maybe for my family, my girlfriend, whatever. But I'm going to try and get into the best shape possible to see how I look if I actually dieted down rather than walking around fat all year or whatever. Let's, let's, let's do this as, as a mark. Let's do this as a run up to the real thing especially when it comes to how you re respond to performance enhancing drugs, when it comes, whether it's sounds, whether it's steroids, whether it's a peptide. I don't want to be in the position of having taken something like a diuretic, for example, and cramping up or overdosing or, or not getting in shape or relying on something. And not, I mean, like I said, I don't care if you've got the best steroid guru known to mankind, the best diet coach known to mankind, these guys want to know what you've run before for a reason. They want to know how you've trained before. They want to see pre-competition shots. They want to see photographs, weekly check-ins, and all this kind of stuff because they're looking for feedback. They're looking for information. Now, if you're not working with someone like that and you're doing this all yourself, do this a crapshoot. If you're doing this kind of stuff and you're running to a show and you look like a sack of shit tied up in the middle, if you just you didn't have enough time to diet down, you took the wrong drugs, you didn't use an AI, you come in water loaded, you, you, you've got tons of muscle, you've never been stronger, but you've got, you know, your, your face is bloated, no one can see your abs. You, you was, how many guys have, Steve, we talked about with these things where they look better a week after a competition? That's not the idea. The idea is you look great on the day, guys. Those photographs can be taken the next day, that's fine, but no one wants to look good a week later. So you do this mock stuff, you do these trial runs. You, you set yourself up for a photo shoot. Hell, you have a, a $50 a bet with a buddy that one of you is going to get into shape. Some kind of incentive to do this stuff so you know how you're going to. Hell, do it like, like Jeff does. Do it for the gram. But make sure that you're doing all these things ahead of time. So if there's no, I don't want to do a live video on, on Instagram. Hey, here's me with my six pack, and I pulled myself up, and there's my, I look like, you know, a donut or something. I want to know every, I want to know how I respond to all these drugs. I want to know how I'm going to respond to the diet. I want to know how much cardio. I want to know all these things. That's how I work now. If I have a challenge coming from me, Steve would be the same. If we had a, 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 I don't know, who can bench the most for reps competition, we'd probably give ourselves eight weeks. And we would know what drugs we respond to well. We would know what food to do. We would know what kind of program to go on. We have that experience. If you don't have that experience, if you don't have that knowledge, then you need to do these things ahead of time. That's the solid piece of advice we can give you. Make sure you know this stuff before you go to your first competition. Each competition is going to give you experience. Each competition is going to give you that knowledge of how you respond. I've also, and we talked about this in regards to steroid use against the PD use, I don't, I'm not a fan. If something works, do that. Don't, don't be trying other drugs just because your buddy's got or your supplier's got or even a sponsor's got new drugs. If something worked and it got you into shape, do, do that. You don't have to change shit up. You don't have to run other drugs just to see if they work or not. If you got into shape doing this thing, do that again. We can always tweak it a couple of weeks. Out. One more final thing on this stuff. Try and be ready. I'm thinking of the Dorian Yates here. Try to be ready or nearly ready about a week to 10 days before your competition. You know, I've talked about traveling, for example, going to a show to compete can affect some people. The food that you eat when you get there can affect you. Uh, the stress, there's always stuff happening. Life happens between here and the show. Those things are going to affect you. So I want you ready, ideally, the listeners to this show, I want you ready for your competition. I want you in as near competition shape as you can possibly be without being in that pinpoint shape 
about a week to 10 days out so that we can bring you in. We can just slide you into the day. And, and all we've got to do is tiny little cheeks, a little bit of something, one or two little things, a little bit of extra morning cardio day, the day before competition, a little bit of light food the day before competition. Let's work on your tan, bang, bring you on. What I don't want to be doing is three days out panicking. Uh, and I don't want to be sort of playing around with diuretics and I don't want to be doing any extreme kind of measures whatsoever. So what this cycle that we've talked about is, is a great example of what we think a competition cycle for work with someone. If you've got Jeff's, Jeff's genetics, it's going to be a whole new level. But check Steve out for a consult and see the kind of stuff that we're talking about in terms of getting a person into shape. There's, 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 there's these kind of things, whether it's a challenge, whether it's a bet, whether it's a, 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 a photo shoot, as, as a way of seeing what you can do, is a great way to practice for competitions. And again, no pressure. It's just you and a fellow with a camera and, and seeing what happens. And then you'll, you'll have learned so much about yourself, even just sticking to a diet, even if it's just doing all the training, even if it's just not missing a session and, and just having that sort of thing there. Because I don't know about you, Steve, I've been doing weightlifting competitions and obviously dieting for a comp bodybuilding competition. Some people just can't do it. Here's a great way to find out and see if you can do this stuff or not. Because hell, I wouldn't want to run a cycle and suddenly realize with two weeks to go, there's no way in hell I'm going to be in shape. I spent a thousand dollars to get ready and I just haven't got it in me. So yeah, this is a do the practice stuff, do the trial run and, and, and see if you've got it in you guys to do the thing that needs to be done to get on stage because it will show you what you've got in you. It will bring to the fore. If you've got shape, we're going to see it. If you can get lean, we're going to see it. And you'll learn so much about yourself. So a practice trial run is definitely a good idea. Back to you. All right, guys. Listen, this was episode three, 138, uh, 137, excuse me. Our next up. one, 138, is going to be, I'll give you a little hint, one meal a day. It's a guy who likes one meal a day. So we're going to have fun with that one. We're going to talk about it. Um, it's going to be a big um, nutrition episode, <laughs> actually. We're going to talk a lot about that. So we talk to you guys then. Thanks for listening, guys. If you guys have any suggestions of who you guys want us to do, hit us up on the forum, Steve SMI or Mobster on evolutionary.org. Talk to you guys next week. Take care, buddy. See you soon, guys.